Hey everybody, welcome to the Mox Box, a Northwest Conservative podcast, but also Libertarian. My name is Andrew, I'm your host, and I just wanted to give an opinion on the opioid epidemic. Now, I'm making this from my kitchen, this is my first episode, so please forgive me if it sounds wobbled or warbled or whatever you want to call it. Anyway, I think the opioid See, the opioid crisis is important to discuss, I think for a couple reasons. Um, I have family members who have a history with drug addiction, um, including myself. You know, I had a a painkiller addiction when I hurt myself in the military, and um, fortunately for me, I started having a large reaction to the medication, so I had to stop taking it. So that did... Uh, save my life in the long run, uh, again, knowing my background. But I just want to point out that Washington Apple Health Medicaid opioid prescriber report. Now, you can find these links. I'm going to try to create a list of links to click on and look at for yourself because I don't want to give out any information that you know is manipulated or coerced. This is strictly just an opinion of situation here in our beautiful state of Washington. So, again, they did a review, and between uh, 2006-2012, according to the RDA 2015 report, um, it showed that uh, the death rate by overdose for all Medicaid enrollees was more than four times higher than the overall Washington state population between 2006-2012, according to the report. Um, this is the same report that was used by Governor Jay Inslee. Uh, he's the current governor. This is what he issued the um, executive order 16-09, which is on the webpage uh, here. I think it's kind of disturbing. You can kind of see um, a trend inside uh, Washington State a few years ago. I think even before Trump was even elected as president, before this was you know, being debated uh, whether we should have infrastructure on the, on the Mexican border to stop what the president claims as um, a trifecta, you know, of issues. Uh, the drugs, the human trafficking, the murders, those three big things. Uh, people are debating right now whether there's a real crisis or not. But I do have to say that before that, I remember personally before that, when Obama was president, uh, it was a big deal. Um, we had uh, Seattle had a huge heroin overdose uh, epidemic going on at the time. It was spiking, uh, especially in wealthier neighborhoods, um, medium income neighborhoods, saw a higher rise, but also in the poorer areas as well. We saw a huge use in the homeless communities, uh, in the tent cities, and and such. These uh, micro communities, you could say, that established themselves along the highways, under the bridges, underpasses, and from Washington State. Um, of course, you're probably hearing this podcast most likely from your area, but if you're not from this state, then kind of paint a picture. I mean, pretty much every major bridge between Olympia, all up to Seattle, you had encampments, um, tents, and things like that. And it got really bad. And people started doing um, heroin on the street during daytime. So the state decided to create, uh, what you could say, an underground network of heroin dens like Shanghai back in the day to hopefully curb 
the dirty use of needles. They, they wanted to stop disease, essentially, is what their goal was. But I think it, it really made, <clears throat> excuse me, made me the problem worse. Um, I saw more and more people strung out. I live down here in the uh, in Olympia area, um, and I have to say that Olympia itself as a city has turned into um, a hellhole. I, I don't know how to say it uh, without being super offensive, but it's the truth. You know, it's just, just look at 4th Avenue, State Avenue, um, the bus stop. Right across the, behind the bus stop, I guess you could say, going towards more of the hands-on museum for children, there is a giant walled-up tent city down there. Right in the area is also a health clinic, a.k.a. a heroin den, with... Uh, the homeless and drug population just booming down there. Now, if you put free needles, heroin, um, cops turning the other way, and a tent city where you can crap on the streets, you can get into fights, you can do all these things in the open, in the public, without any recourse, then you're going to get more of it. So, and, and it, it's, it's serious. You can just, the CDC has put out... Um, you know, U.S. drug overdose deaths continue to rise. This is the, the tile here, you know. So looking at, at 2016 alone, overdoses killed 63,000-plus uh, Americans. Um, so in two-thirds of those deaths were included in some kind of prescription or opioid or some kind of painkiller. Um, now, the painkiller or the, the sedative that Michael Jackson uses fentanyl, and fentanyl is on the rise as well. A lot of people said, "Oh, it comes from Asia." I'll, you know, putting up a wall uh, is not going to work, and that's not true though, because you have plenty of research showing that the majority of fentanyl comes from Mexico. It may be shipped in a container ships by China to Mexico, but they know they can get it to the United States easier through a porous border than through our ports. That being said. Um, I truly believe that this is probably the biggest crisis of our time, and we are politicizing. Uh, we're politicizing it just because we have uh, a president who um, a lot of people don't like. I, I really think it comes down to a personality test that he's not passing right now with your more liberal-minded colleagues. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with being liberal-minded. It just it, it becomes a concern of mine. Uh, from a centrist point of view, where you're like, hey, look, we have this opioid crisis. Look, we have people dying, you know, hundreds of people dying every week. Um, you know, more people overdosed on drugs than were shot by guns. That includes suicide, that includes murder, gang violence. They take all that together, uh, drug, or do uh, drug overdoses top that for the first time in a long time, I believe. I think it was the first time ever. I could be wrong. Um, but it's crazy, you know, I mean, it's really crazy to think that, you know, and then, and, and they went up again another 10,000, uh, in 2017, this is from the New York times, um, 72,000, it's another record set, um, in 2017. So, <clears throat> um, excuse me. So also, um, other sources like Breitbart, uh, The Hill, um, have talked about the issue of uh, Mexico's role in, in uh, its 
role in um, being a transport hub, you could say, for the cartels uh, and the violence it brings with it. So, um, and, and so simple, some simple reasons here why I think that controlling the border, not just with technology, not just with personnel, but with a physical barrier, um, these are the three basic things. This is, I got this from the hornernews.com, three reasons why we need Trump's wall. Um, number one, it talks about FBI data shows terrorists are sneaking to Mexico. Um, and that's crazy. That, that's freaking crazy. Because um, I never thought about that. I, I really, I mean, you know, pre-9-11, I thought, okay, we're going to get some guys coming up here trying to find work or whatnot. Um, but I never thought terrorists, terrorists. But apparently they say they have detained out of the half a million people that detained, uh, that 7,000 of them were terrorists or to link to terrorist organizations. That's kind of a concern, you know. And also the Border Patrol agents, the number two reason, I think it should be number one reason, but the Border Patrol agents, the men and the women on the ground who are doing the hard work protecting our country while we sleep, not just our men in uniform overseas, but I think we have a lot of good men here as well and women here as well doing a great job. Um, and think about it, they only had, uh, they only have so many thousands of officers that could cover down on that. And so they want a wall. They want a physical barrier. They need something to help slow down so they can respond. They can use the technology to respond to these things. Um, and you can use you can use things like uh, and how we say you know Mexico is going to pay for the wall. Uh, <laughs> there's there's ways you can do it. So it was funny that um, you can negotiate. Part of these these uh, these visas and treaties and things like that, and you can negotiate things by saying, you know, hey, um, for example, if you want to have these goods and services with us as a country, we need for you to participate in funding for this wall. Or when people send money down to Mexico, a good part of their income as a country um, is from their citizens who are up here in America working, making more money than they would probably make down there, um, send the money back. So you can tax that at a high rate. Um, and that would probably help as well. Or any, or past Ted Cruz's idea, I think he has a great idea, which is to take El Chapo's money and other drug dealers' money and use it to fund a advanced technical wall that he would use to, to tear tunnel digging. So there's sensors you can put in the ground. It's not going to be cheap. But here's the thing, though. We spent something near like $4 trillion dollars on these two, th these two main wars in Afghanistan and Iraq over the last 14, 15 years, we're still there. You know, um, you know, we. I, I used to serve military myself. I did eight years myself, and I can tell you, uh, barriers work, walls work. Uh, we had 30, 40 foot walls of concrete around some of our bases operation out there in Iraq. And guess what? Guess who is not um, just climbing that wall to come kill us? We're sleeping at night. That's right, terrorists. Uh, they had to shoot mortars. They had to fire rockets at us. And, and they sometimes they hit us, but majority of the time. And if they did try to dig in the wall, we got there in time to stop them. There were training that we did that if a wall was breached, here's what we need to do, you know, in order to maintain security. Um, but that was it. We never had a breach over there. They, they drove car bombs into it. And then all this was was sandbags, literally. Um, Constantina wire woven in sandbags that we filled up with uh, concrete and rocks and stones and things like that. It was a, it was a hasty wall essentially, and then it turned into concrete reinforced walls later. But you can put up a hasty wall 
and just use the dirt around you, and that's still pretty effective. Uh, it gives you time to respond to those areas. We're using the technology we have, and we got some pretty crazy technology, and I think we can deploy that uh, to your benefit. But to for me, and my key reasons why I don't, and another thing I really don't really talked about was human trafficking. Washington State has become a huge fo focus for this. Um, you, the fact that the Seattle area, Tacoma area, has some of the worst human trafficking, um, I think, in the country right now. Again, you know, if I'm not right, please correct me on this, but I mean, you know, we have people getting kidnapped, people going missing all the time, you know, young children, women. Um, feeble people, you know, get trafficked down, and they said they'd have between 7,000, 10,000 people getting trafficked through the border itself going overseas. So that is a concern. I think these are all legitimate reasons to have a physical barrier to check people when they come in. Oh, yeah, let people travel here. That's fine. Let people come here, work here, learn here, create families here. That's fine. Um, but really, you need to get back to. The American way of doing things, the um, Americana, the ideal, you know, the, the pursuit of something better. There's nothing wrong with saying that we have an issue, let's pursue, let's go forward, you know, be progressive, as they say, but do it in a way that benefits all of us, not just a select few. Now, the thing is that we're being used as pawns by both the left and the right in politics. I'm talking about the elite. The people that are have the power, not just the money, okay? Because you have rich people out there who are great, great people who use the money to hire people, to help people, to create second chance centers. That's what I want to do for myself. That's kind of like my goal in my life is to create that opportunity for people. But no, I'm talking about the people who are just depraved, depraved, uh, depraved people who don't believe in a higher power or at least something outside of themselves. The only thing they care about is perpetuating a horrific existence for everybody else but themselves. Meaning, they don't want a closed border system. They don't want an ebb and flow of things. They want people to rush in here, suck up resources for that from people that actually put their whole life's work into it, ruin their schools, ruin their neighborhoods, because they could live in these nice, huge castles away from all the stuff that they cause. Um, no one sees this. Look at Hollywood. Look at your politicians, Maxine Waters, uh, Nancy Pelosi, okay, and the public's Mitch McConnell. Those people have these nice houses away from everything. They're allowed to live in peace, in harmony, on the people's dollar as we squalor for those table scraps. And I'm not saying that that means that we should go take from them and give to ourselves. No, what I mean is that, that they need to step off our necks, allow us to use a free market system to better ourselves. There has to be a better solution to this epidemic, this opioid crisis, than just more money out of my pocket, more taxes on the taxpayer, allowing people to live however they want to live. I don't think it's a good idea to allow people to live in the woods, to poop into buckets, to live in absolute squalor. I think it's a stain on our character as a country and as a community that we have people in these conditions in the first place. Why are they there? Why are families in the streets? Why are we, why do we have 7,000 children, Thurston County alone, homeless, meaning they're hopping to, maybe not homeless, homeless as in on the street, but they are definitely not in a home environment with two loving parents or two loving guardians 
who take care of them consistently. They're hopping between couches and cars and places to sleep at night, and we don't see them. They're invisible, but they're here in our community. Then you have the elderly, okay, who I have personal experience. I had family members who had a very hard time getting the vacation, but then if you come here legally, you just show your border hopping pass and then another piece of paper, and boom, there you go. Here's your ID. I think we live in a very dangerous society when we said we have to regulate everything. We have to regulate how you conduct business. We have to regulate if you can cut a tree down your own property. But it's then we can turn around and say, no, go ahead and inject heroin into your system. Be an alcoholic. Be a pill popper. Be mediocre. I think the biggest curse we give to our children and we give to ourselves is saying that being mediocre is okay. That is the, probably the biggest sin that we have right now this is a community and we're in it speaking of community i think it's it, it's almost absurd to even call it that the most communal i see people get is at farmer's market time other than that we're stepping over each other we're trying to get to work we're trying to hustle bustle pay the bills get where we need to go to when's the last time we stopped by and actually talked to somebody checked in with them face to face not social media not facebook not twitter not all these other things not technology itself but really checking with each other you know, cultivate that relationship with each other, really make sure that we're okay. And they mean they, maybe that's the first couple of steps to, to prevent more addiction, more death, more enslavement. This is checking with each other. And as stupid as that sounds, I just feel that we don't do that enough. I mean, I keep going back. I'm only 30-something years old, okay? But I can remember a time when we had neighbors that cared, that you couldn't do anything as a kid without your mom dad finding out from a neighbor. You know, you, you couldn't go anywhere with it. Your parents just, they just figure it out. You can be five, six houses down, not say anything. They know you're there because they communicate with each other. They, ch they checked in. They cared. They fed you. They clothed you. They loved you like they're your second parents. And we have gone away from that for whatever reason. So maybe you should take a step back, really reflect what our community means to us. Look at the people who are hurting Figure out a better way that does not use government dollars because they cannot fix it. All that government can do is take from you and make things worse. And it's clearly evident. If you look down there in the Port of Olympia, if you look in Tacoma, look in Seattle, it's nothing but suffering and drug addiction, and it's horrible. But anyway, thanks for listening to me rant about what I see around here. I, I hope that we can create a more continual dialogue. Um, this is my first attempt at one of these things, so it's going to be rough. Hopefully I can figure it out, but thank you for your time. I appreciate it. God bless. Uh, and again, just really reach out to your neighbor, talk to them. Uh, thanks for listening to Mox Box. Uh, this is my first episode. Peace out.